Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it. To the Miami Heat fans, it was, uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs! James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? Hello and welcome to the Brewhoop Podcast. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of Brewhoop.com, joined as per usual by Kyle Carr and Riley Feldman. Fellas, how are we doing? We're doing really good. I couldn't I couldn't be happier with because of the topic at hand here. It's playoff basketball time. Uh it's the Chicago Bulls, which is just poetry. It's true poetry in motion. I'm looking forward to it. The weather is nice here in the Twin Cities. Um, and my fiance went off to San Diego today, so I have to manage the house for a couple of days by myself. But that's all right, because I'm here doing what I love, talking about Bucks basketball. And I went to lacrosse this past weekend to celebrate a friend's 30th birthday. It was 90s themed, so I got to wear my 90s alternate Bucks jersey. That should be the main jersey moving forward. I'm going to stick with that. Decisions were made. I don't. I didn't feel great yesterday, and I walked in today, and it, I feel slightly better, but... The good. I also am manning the house by myself. Uh, Emma decided to be somewhere in Wisconsin for work until the end of the week, so I'm watching these two boys, and we're so far surviving night one. So I got. I have a lot of petty that I have to get out. Major, major kudos to both of you, <clears throat> men of the house. My wife is still here, uh, which is great. I love my wife. <laughs> I love. <what> <laughs> So I, I'm going to have a great week. Uh, but another team that's having a fantastic week who uh, get to get to hang around town, won't even have to go very far for their playoff series are the Milwaukee Bucks, who are facing the Chicago Bulls. It's the 3-6 matchup. Look, I'm going to I'm going to open it up. I know everyone is listening specifically to hear Riley and Kyle bag on the Bulls, but I would like to just real briefly discuss the sort of seeding scenario in the East. So the Bucks. Went through their last three games. They had a chance to take the two seed on Sunday with a win. They opted to sit everyone, sort of showcase why Mamu will probably be most improved next year. And they eventually fall to the three seed. Celtics take the two seed. They're waiting for the team that's going to be the play-in winner of the 7-8 game, most likely the Nets. I would predict that. Miami gets the eight seed. Sixers versus the Raptors. That'll be a fascinating matchup. And then, uh, obviously, Bucks facing the Bulls. So, I, Kyle, what did you think about how the Bucks approached it? And, uh, yeah, just generally how they approached it and then the eventual how it ended with them facing the Bulls now. 
I was surprised because after they went and beat the Celtics, it was kind of a, all right, it seems as though you probably will get the two or three seed. I didn't like getting the four seed didn't seem as feasible, but it was also interesting because it's like, well, if you give the Cavs a win, then Cleveland could have potentially gotten the home court for the playing game against the against the Nets. That didn't happen because the Nets won out. And I think they beat Cleveland on Friday. So it was kind of a Cleveland needed to win and Brooklyn needed to lose, which they almost did. But it, it was interesting because the Bucks played the Pistons on a back-to-back on Friday. So I figured maybe they were going to sit them on Friday and then go all out Saturday on Sunday, kind of just, or maybe even like half of it. They didn't. Um, it's funny because I think people are saying like, oh, the Bucks are avoiding the Nets or the Bucks are whatever, like being cowards. Like, no, I mean, I feel like they actually went for it. They they went for it against the Celtics, decided to play the next day, not screw around with the Pistons, just get the win that you needed to. And that with everything else that fell, getting the two seed, like I don't think Milwaukee fears Brooklyn. I don't think Milwaukee fears Cleveland. It just made sense of why play them in this meaningless game. And because on the opposite end, if someone would have gotten hurt, then it would have been absolute hell on Twitter because everyone would be like, well, this is why they shouldn't have played them in this pointless game, blah, 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 blah. So I don't think Milwaukee fears anyone. I think it was just a we're already playing on the next day. Let's just get these guys. It's the Pistons. They should take care of them in like a half. And they did. So then it's not like Giannis was really played extent like Giannis and Chris and Drew and Brooke weren't playing like extended minutes. So. Good on the Bucks. I'm laughing because one of Philly or Toronto is going to lose, and that is just excellent. Uh, Miami might be in trouble. It might be funny to see. And then Boston, Brooklyn is just – if it is Boston, Brooklyn, all the storylines with that is going to be – it's going to be entertaining for me to watch all the chaos while the Bucks absolutely obliterate the Bulls. I lost track of where our seating was like two weeks ago. I stopped paying attention to it a while ago just because it was like wherever we end up, I I trusted the team to try and perform. They weren't going to tank for like position or whatever. So up until literally like the end of the Cavs game, I didn't know us falling to the three seed to play the Bulls was in contention. And had I known, I would have been pushing for that for weeks and weeks and weeks. I thought the Bulls were out of the playoffs. I didn't know they were still in the playoffs. (laughs) They tried their best. (laughs) They lost four of their last five games. I don't know how much else they lost, but I was surprised that they were still in the playoff race, not in the play-in. So I was like, oh, well, this is a beautiful thing. Um, I agree with Kyle that I doubt we were like ducking teams. Also, what is it about everybody else wanting, you know, us to stand up and be their hero for them? Well, okay. Oh, you guys, everybody thinks the Nets are so scary or like, you know, it shouldn't be a big deal. Why are the Bucks ducking them? Okay, boss, you go have somebody else be your champion. Get out of here. You don't care about what happens to us. I don't care what happens to you. So if, if the peasants out east want to fight amongst themselves to figure out who's going to get stomped by us in the second round, that's fine. Um the like final game was one of the worst games I've, against the Cavs. It was one of the worst professional basketball games we've seen all season. And we just had seen a game against the Clippers like two weeks beforehand that up until that point had that same title. So we've seen some bad basketball to end the season. Uh, I'm just glad that we're back for actual serious basketball and against just the best opponent. The best of all like the, the net storyline would have been interesting or Assuming the Nets make it out of the plan, they're the seventh seed. That would have been an interesting matchup, but I think uh, I, I love the Bulls matchup just because this is as slow of a role as you need to have going into the playoffs. You know, it's like waltzing into the playoffs. So I'm quite pleased with how things worked out. 
It, it for me, I think it was a, a function of sequencing why the Bucks are you know getting roasted for ducking the Nets and putting this in air quotes. Like the if you look at the last three games, there's three games left: Celtics, Sixers, Bucks. They're all tied at 49 and 30, identical records. For each one, each one of those teams rested some of their starters for at least one game. The Bucks might have done it to the umpteenth degree, but every single one of those teams did it. And it just so happened that when the Sixers did it, they had basically nothing to play for. It was like potentially impossible. They were also facing the Pistons. The Celtics decided to rest their basically most of their starters against the Bucks. And if the Bucks had rested their starters Friday against the Pistons, we wouldn't have to deal with this narrative. So like the the sort of goldfish brained media it really needs to just like look look it takes two it takes like one second to look back just two days look at the roster and you could see that the bucks you know decided not to to duck it entirely also if everyone is upset about Milwaukee what about Boston with all Boston would have needed to do was just simply play their guys and they decided if they had won then they would have been in this situation. Like, uh, don't blame Milwaukee for winning against a Boston team that decided to be cowards and not go all all out against them. That's not our fault. I think uh, what it was was it was the three identical Spider-Men pointing at each other meme where it's like, okay, each of us are going to rest all our starters for like one of these meetings. And they all played the Pistons too. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) we're all going to rest our guys against the Pistons and we're just going to see how things work out here at the end. Um, So, I mean... Literally, it's it was the stupidest thing ever. It, like, I think what should be noted is like impressive that the Celtics were able to climb into this two seed, like they were in contention at all. And then also the fact that the East has just been so tight that up until literally the final three games, it was like, well, it both from two all the way down to essentially the plan. Like, we don't know what the ranking is going to be. So that's what's more meaningful. And the whole like who's ducking the nets, that's like a one-off thing because of COVID and Kyrie refuses to get vaccinated and they've had like weird shit all season. So this is like a total one-off. Any other year wouldn't be that big of a deal. It's whatever. Who cares? And and the best part is as soon as game one tips off, we won't have to care about it. So looking at how the the East kind of lines up, Kyle, we're we'll talk about the Bulls series in depth, but how, how does how do you how do you kind of think about how the bracket potentially lines up for the Bucks? Were they to try and make a deep run? I it works out pretty damn well for the Bucks because you get the Bulls, which will be easy. Then you will face one of Boston, Cleveland, Brooklyn, and while Boston would be the toughest, the Bucks can still win that series. And then you get to the Eastern Conference Finals against. Miami, Philly, Toronto, and then unless like a miracle happens and one of Cleveland, Charlotte, or Atlanta, like somehow pulls it up, like it it works out very well for Milwaukee. And we've seen they've been the three seed before, aka last year they won the title. So while it would have been nice to have home court advantage for the Eastern Conference Finals, they still might get it just based off of how the rest of the teams do, but. Miami, Philly, and Toronto are going to beat the hell out of each other by the time they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And you, I mean, Miami's, I know PJ Tucker's already hurt, so that's not looking good for them. The Sixers have Joel Embiid and James Harden, and one of them is going to choke and slash or run on a steam, James Harden, by the time it gets to the Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals. Toronto, while they are a well coached team, I think there is going to be a point where. You're going to need like top level guys. And Fred Van Vliet is very, very good, but he is not. I doubt Fred Van Vliet is going to go into a series as the best player of that series. 
So I think it works out pretty damn well for Milwaukee. I think as long as they don't exert, as long as they don't get beaten up too bad in the second round against probably Boston, Brooklyn, or Cleveland, then they should be fine. So avoid injuries, get your four or five, get your four or five games in the first round, get your five or six in the second round, kick your legs up, and hopefully you're rested enough so that you get whatever crap comes out of the other side. I agree in a lot of that. So, like, let's assume it's Boston, Brooklyn. Uh, I don't know what their records were against each other, but they're both obviously good teams. I think that would be a war between the two of them. Can't imagine it would be a sweep one way or the other. So, if that's the two seven pairing, assume we get whoever. If it's the Nets that survive, they're going to get beat up, and also we get home court advantage. If it's the Celtics, they're also going to get beat up, and they'll still not have. Um, is it Robert Williams? I just call him Time Lord, Robert Williams. Um, yeah unless they rashly rush him back from a meniscus surgery, which (laughs) seems questionable. Um, But like, again, same situation where you look at all these teams, there's no big man who's going to be able to stop us necessarily counter what we do. And then you look at the other side of the bracket, like, you know, I think Philly going down in four to five games is almost written in the stars. That just feels so right. Everything about that feels right. Um, And Miami is because, what's funny about playoffs is the rotations tighten up and when rotations tighten up, that means Jimmy Butler gets the ball a lot more and Jimmy in the playoffs has proven to be one of the more one dimensional. Like it's not even just us who is stopping him. I've seen multiple highlights throughout the year. be like, wow, this is somebody just threw like a wing on Jimmy and it was just game over for like whatever Miami is doing. So they're going to like, that's a little paper tiger for a one seat. So our sequence of us getting to the Eastern conference finals, obviously nothing is guaranteed, but for the way things broke down, you know, I'm happy to not be playing the Nets in the first round. I think I'd be confident in us playing them, but given the circumstances, I'll take a slightly easier path if they have to work themselves a little bit more to get through the play-in games and then against, like, a red-hot Boston team. Like, everything about that, that sounds good to me. To at least get to the Eastern Conference Finals, we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, I, I the, the Brooklyn thing, like, obviously, I mean, we're all saying, like, I would not have been afraid of Brooklyn, but they were the team for me beating the Bucks kind of starts with having a player who could play better than Giannis in a series. Kevin Durant is the only feasible player in the Eastern conference that I could, could I, I could see doing that over the course of a whole series. I can't see Tatum doing it and I can't see Joel and B doing it. They're, they're good players, but I just don't think they could beat Giannis in that level. So I'm totally fine missing them starting with the bulls. Let's get into this bulls matchup. Um, so the Bucks won the season series four Oh, um, all right, you said it before we started recording, Riley. It's hard to really even discuss this series. I, 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 there's a part of me that feels a little, maybe a little bad about how uh, haughty I, I'm being, but I'm, I'm glad that I have you two here to sort of set me right in, in that regard. You shouldn't feel bad at all. This is one of the Bulls are one of the fakest, least deserving playoff teams we've seen since maybe the. 2019 or the 2020 bubble Orlando magic. In fact, in many ways, there's a possibility they end up being worse than the magic because that was at (laughs) least a younger Vucevic. We have an even older Vucevic and the like other counter is two dudes who play some of the stupidest mathematical basketball you've ever seen in your whole life. And Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. So what we're taking is uh, old Vooch who. I mean, Giannis is going to tear him in, in half. I mean, it's going to be hilarious <laughs> to watch. And then 
Um, you have what we did last year of surviving like the Phoenix Suns, where it was just like, oh, they're going to beat us with, with really bad jumpers, except you're going to have like two worst players doing it. And DeMar DeRozan, great season. I think he scored like his highest in a season his whole career. Like that's great at his age. We've seen what this is. We've seen a free, oh, like over a decade now. I've watched this story happen so many times. And I know exactly how the story ends. And I'm happy that we're going to be part of writing another chapter in that very long story about it call coming to a crash at the very end. So uh, I'm hoping that the Bucks don't do full Bucks things and have me come back here in two weeks and disown them for who they are. But I would I would honestly be distraught if we get, if we lost a game to them. I think we should sweep them, no problem. I would be distraught. We, that should not happen. It really shouldn't. Yeah, you see, that's the thing. It shouldn't happen, but these are still... Let, let's let, let's think about it this way. Game one is the game where if Milwaukee is going to falter, it is always a game one. Think about last year. They barely got by the Heat. They lost the second round of Brooklyn. They lost to the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost the Fiat. Like, the game <laughs> one Bucks are... And even in the bubble, they lost game one to the Magic. There's always going to be some stupid voodoo shit where DeMar DeRozan's going to have 50 points and 30 free throws. It's possible that Vucevic hits his jump shot for the first time ever in his life again. And it, it is possible that Chicago could win a game, but that's it. And that again, if Chicago can't win game one or game three, I have no faith in them winning more than that. Like it, it has to be one of those two games for them to have a chance if it goes more than five, I will be distraught because there's no reason for this team to be hanging around for six games. It, it just shouldn't happen. They don't have anyone I can guard, Giannis. Drew and Chris are going to be dialed in, and Chris seems to have gotten out of his slump thanks to playing the Celtics. That always seems to help. Drew is going to be dialed in and give Zach Levine absolute hell. What I'm supposed to be worried about, Vucevic and Tristan Thompson's terrible husband ass trying to guard Giannis? Like, no, Trist, we are going to have Giannis, the ultimate family man, against the worst family man in the history of the NBA. So between those two, I'm going to go with the wholesome family man that's going to tell jokes after the Bucks win by 40 in game one. Like, that's it's just not – I just don't know where Chicago is supposed to find four wins, let alone – they just, I, I, I don't see anything about them. Maybe if this was at the beginning of the season, then it's like, okay, you had Lonzo Ball. You don't have him. Alex Caruso is not that great. We're noticing that. I'm just, like, I don't know. Like, they're spending, again, they spend so much of their time hoping that Grayson Allen gets a hard foul. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to hard foul Grayson Allen, and it's going to result in a flagrant one. And that those free throws are going to end up being one of the main difference makers, whether it's a run or how much they went by. It's just fate. So I'm going to laugh. I'm going to enjoy this. I don't expect if this go, like this should go five at most. I just don't see what Chicago could do. If they couldn't win like the first game against Milwaukee after the Grayson Allen incident, they couldn't win that, then what the hell are you guys even doing? Yeah, you're looking through I love going onto their roster on basketball reference because you just look through the names, you're like, nope, 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 Uh Lonzo Ball, even had he been back, like, you know, obviously in theory, a good defender. And I think he was shooting pretty well from three for him. Like he obviously was pretty good in the flow of their offense. But then again, I come back to, you know, I mean, Billy Donovan, I don't know how much 
playoff experience he has. But okay, let's go back to the idea of offenses sort of end up getting stuck in the hands of who your quote unquote star players are. And there's no pairing in the league that love having the ball in their hands, literally just only in their hands more than DeMar and Zach Levine. And so if that's going to be the base formula that you're going to end up falling back on, even if you added back like Alonzo Ball or, I mean, literally, literally their only center is Nikola Vucevic. I'm looking at the roster here. I I mean, Tony Bradley, I don't even know who that is. Um, So there's, it's just the size mismatch is not going to be good for them. And then just, you know. Unless the shooting is crazy for like one game or like two games, I would just think that when it comes to base formulas of how you're going to score, we're just going to be way more reliable. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be stupid moments because quite obviously I'm going to have a heart attack when DeMar DeRozan goes up for his 25th mid-range jumper and like with a slight shove off or whatever. But I, I have full confidence to be able to survive all that. So it's just the structurally, it's not going to work for them. Um, and they might have had a really searing like defensive pace at the start of the year, but clearly things have just that's just tanked over over time. People figured it out. They ran out of steam. Like everything about it is bad. And I went over to the Blog Bowl, um, our uh, compatriots, uh, the Chicago Bulls sister site for us for SB Nation, and. The comments were like, well, you know, I'm just happy that we're here after everything. And I think a lot of people, like Bulls fans, you know, they were stepping back. He's like, we hope Kobe White has like a good game so somebody will be tricked into trading for him. Like that's that's the goal for them in the playoffs. You know, that, that that's just there's different expectations between these two teams or where they're going to be going. I mean, they were even writing themselves that it's a sinking ship. Like they were writing this before the Bucks game against the Bulls, and the Bucks then blew the doors off of them. They're, the Bulls were a nice, fun story, but this is exactly where we thought they'd be. A team that might hover around 6, 7, 8 seed. They're not. They've been exposed as frauds against legitimate teams. Good on you for making that improvement. Congrats on the extra two home game playoff revenue money that you're going to get. The Herb Cole, as I call it. But what the fuck are we even doing with this? Like, do we really need to play the series? Can we just call it a win for the Bucks and have them automatically move on? Like, we don't need to waste our time with this. Adam, Adam, balance balance this out a little bit. So why don't you bring back the Bulls' perspective? The the what do you see? For or at the least Bulls a next? less re, less biased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'm okay. <clears throat> so, I mean, if you look at it from an objective perspective, I can't see the Bulls taking more than one game max. I like literally. There's just. If you look at even like the, I was looking at the points in the paint from the first game, the Rock fight. I mean, it was forty-two to twenty bucks points in the paint, and that was before Brook Lopez. If you look at the last two Brook Lopez games, fifty-four to forty-two, which is pretty good. Let's see, next one, fifty-eight to thirty-four. Like that, that it's just like you said, Riley. Bucks have significantly more reliable ways to score. The sort of vaunted Bulls perimeter defense. Uh, there's a reason most defensive players of the year are all interior players. It's because perimeter defense is just objectively a little less valuable unless you're doing stuff like maybe Drew Holiday, like and Alex Caruso is not Drew Holiday. They don't have Lonzo Ball. Alex Caruso kind of got worked in the last game by Drew Holiday very easily with his strength. Like Grayson Allen was getting by him. It was it was pretty hard to watch, honestly, the way they would commit to Giannis with doubles and then almost immediately – Brooke Lopez would take one step inside the three-point arc. Giannis would pass him the ball, and he would very easily score at the rim. Uh, 
just defensively, I don't think they have any answers for what the Bucks are going to do, barring an extreme, even in an extreme awful shooting performance from three, which God knows we're going to have at least two of those in this series that like, just mark it down. Okay. There's, there's no way the Bucks are going to shoot good. That's, that's the free space on Bucks playoff bingo free space for sure. A hundred percent. And we, we, and we know they could just go inside then. This is what they did last year. When they realized their three-point shot wasn't falling one night, they didn't keep shooting 45 threes. They pivoted a bit and tried to work the interior. It was just, it was so much, as much as the Bucks get knocked for, you know, being, people called them dumb last year or whatever, like there were dumb moments. They had a much smarter offensive approach than any past Bucks team that was, that was super reliant on the three. So the only way I could really see the Bulls, you know, being able to take something is, it just has to be a DeMar DeRozan, like insane performance. I mean, that that's been their formula for winning all year. If you look at their efficiency differential, it's like minus 0.2, like 19th in the league. It's behind teams like Charlotte, behind teams like Brooklyn. Like they, they, they vastly outperformed what they, a typical team would win solely on the back of DeMar DeRozan having really, really good clutch performances. And he's a guy who historically has typically melted down in the playoffs and you're expecting him in a series where his usage is probably going to go up even higher. And so at the end of games, you need him to be able to make your last second bucket when the Bucks have like three different options for that. Uh, I, I'm just having a hard time seeing it, barring maybe Vooch shoots somewhat better. I mean, like he shot three of 19 in the last game and he did have that like one good game in the bubble against the Bucks two years ago. Like, I, 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 you know, I, I just don't see much hope at all for the bulls. Um, and it sounds like they're fine with that based on, you know, your experience with their fan base rally, which is, which is great. That is good. This is very much, I mean, it's, it's, I started the podcast by saying it's almost poetry because this is almost an exact role reversal of the bucks bulls of like the aughts and early 2010s, like through 2010s, where it was like, Oh, we're just happy to be here. Maybe Monte and Brandon or, you know, <laughs> or like Jared Bayless will build up some chemistry and it'll be great to have some revenue and we'll see what happens next year while the Bulls have aspirations of eventually crashing out hilariously every year, but in theory, higher aspirations. Now it's the exact opposite where we're the clearly dominant team. The other team has no chance at all and they're like on the outside looking in and the way that they're structured, I mean, they're going to have to pay Zach Levine this offseason. DeMar has, I think makes like 30 plus million again next year. They'll probably trade Vucevic, but God only knows who's going to want to take that dude off their hands. So like they're kind of flirting with getting stuck in cap hell a la 2010's Bucks. And you know what? That's that's just fine by me. So a little bit of experience and try and get a better center for next year, I guess, is going to be the main thing for them. Yeah, I in, even if you get past the Chicago starters, the bench is also just not that good. Like, I don't know who's going to be coming off the bench. I guess Dosunu. Dosumu, uh, he might if he's not starting with uh, Caruso. But otherwise, like what Patrick Williams, Tristan Thompson, I'm really supposed to be afraid of Tristan Thompson. I'm not Patrick Williams. Like he's whatever. Like he's not terrible, but this is not the series that he's gonna shine. Kobe White again. Maybe he has a ridiculous outline. Like Kobe or Matt, Matt Thomas. This bench is not that good either. And I mean, the Bucks bench should it be able to do what they need to in the few minutes that they don't have to of Giannis, Chris and Drew. I, I, can I, can I ask you guys? So 
sounds like we all comfortably predict the Bucks winning this series. Okay, so let's. I know, whatever. It's, it could be stupid. We could be. <laughs> I don't want to say nothing. But assuming, assuming it goes, assuming things go according to plan, what would you like to see, like from the Bucks heading out of this into their next round? So, like, what are some positive? Are there specific guys that you want to see, like? Doing so, do you want to see them do something different offensively? I mean, Bud's been experimenting all year. Does he say "f it"? Let's experiment in the first playoff round. Like, what what would you be looking for for like keys or like things that you would feel like positive momentum for the Bucks coming out of this one? I think that guys like Grayson Allen and Wes Matthews and George Hill, you know, those kind of guys, and maybe to an extent Bobby, they find their rhythm with their shooting. Because I feel like those are the guys that are going to need a lot of rhythm and a lot of repetition to kind of get into that flow of things. You know, Pat Connaughton, I'm kind of – I'm not including – I don't think I'll include him just because we, we've we seen now, like, what he is on, he is on. It might take him a couple games, but he'll get there. But the other guys, it's kind of like, okay, well, we're kind of banking on Wes Matthews not being a complete zero on offense at this point, and – George Hill is going to be probably the main ball handler in the few minutes that Drew is sitting. So, like, can he, you know, provide something on offense? Grayson Allen, is he going to be the fifth starter? If he is, like, obviously, if he's not hitting shots, it's kind of hard to justify him getting more playing time. So, I think those three guys looking solid and getting some rhythm is going to be what I'm hoping for uh, out of the series. I'd say I'm going to be watching most acutely the defense. I think that's the I think that's the thing that we've had the biggest question mark about all season. Uh, uh, the offense, I'll be interested to see how it goes, but I just don't think the the Bulls are the kind of playoff tested defense that are really going to we're not going to be able to glean very much from. So, I mean, the defense has been the the numbers when you look at it in the aggregate are going to look bad because there have been some really awful awful performances like the Clippers game alone dropped us like five spots um, from our full season average, which is truly atrocious. And the, the Cavaliers game was on pace to, I think be worse before they pulled their starters mercifully. Um, so it, you know, not just how is the defense looking in drop with Brooke? Are the numbers going to come back? The biggest issue with the, all the Brooke lineups was basically teams were shooting like 47% above the break from three crazy high. If you look at the, I was looking at the on off a couple games before this last one with, with Brooke on the floor, teams were shooting 9.4% better from three um, than when he was off, which was like fourth unluckiest in the league, which is just absolutely insane. Right? Like, and there's no, there's no viable reason that Brooke Lopez is causing teams to shoot that much better. So I'm interested to see if that's going to fall back to earth. All the other numbers look good. Teams were shooting less at the rim. The rim field goal percentage was still pretty good, not like at a world-beating level, but still pretty good. So I'm interested to see how the zone drop works. And then I'm really interested to see how much they try to do, what sort of lineups they have where they want malleability and they want everyone to switch. Do they go to all switching lineups? Who is in those lineups when they try to do it? Who, if when the game is tight, if Brooke isn't on the floor, who is the person that he's put on the floor in place of Brooke? Like what are those lineups that, that Bud is going to go with where he's trying to go with an all switching lineup? Um, I'm curious that I'm also curious if he's going to try any blitzing coverage in this series at all. I'm just like not a huge fan of that, but I, if he breaks it out a play or two um, I'm I'm curious in that respect. So I would say for me, primarily I'm going to be watching defensively to see how they try and handle the bulls. 
if I was to write out a wish list, so in no particular order, I want Wes Matthews to play poorly enough that he gets demoted back to the bench. I want to see Chris have at least two dominant games. If he can't have that four games, right? Don't say that was some dumbass shit and whatever he passing he was doing. So fewer than five turnovers. If we can have four games with fewer than five turnovers per game from Chris, I want to see Giannis average at least 35 points. He probably is not going to play enough. On the to <laughs> I was going to say that. Is, the minutes are going to be tough, but he should be able to do it even in 20 plus 20, 24 minutes or so. And the final thing that I want to see is I want to see Jordan Wara at least two times this series and in the deep garbage time, hopefully he gets like 10 minutes. That's how bad it is. So that's my wish list. Um, it's mostly hoping for bad things for our players so that we can shift the uh, rotation around, but you got to sacrifice. This is essentially extended regular season in my mind. So uh, to me, I, I'll be curious, like, what bud does for rotations because this doesn't feel like this is going to be a series where he's going to have to start making hard choices so what does he do in terms of like okay is just west going to be the guy if that's the case what is like that like kyle was saying like who is going to be who builds a rhythm because i think all those guys that you listed kyle are going to get an opportunity to play um i think pat for sure grayson's probably going to get minutes because he's been like okay against the bulls um I think, I don't know if Javon Carter will. He might just because George Hill has a broke-ass neck, so he's going to need, like, you're not going to want to put too many minutes on him early on. Um, so I think it'll just be curious, like, what does Budenholzer take away from the bench guys to say, okay, you're a guy who I can rely on when it starts getting for real against the Celtics and the Nets in the next series? Yeah, I'm kind of curious because, I mean, he'll go at least seven because you'll have whatever starters and then... Bobby and Pat. Bobby and Pat will come off the bench. Those are your two. Okay, you're going seven. And then it kind of goes to, all right, George Hill probably will get minutes because there is no other ball handler unless you want to put in Chris and Giannis' hands, which doesn't seem like the greatest idea down the road. So you'll probably get George Hill. So now you're at eight. And then it does go to the whoever doesn't start between West and Grayson. All right, now you're at nine, and then you're going to probably have some spot minutes for Javon Carter. You're probably going to have some spot minutes from Serge Ibaka if, say, Brooke Lopez gets a foul trouble. Like, you're going to have guys get spot minutes. So I think Boonholzer will probably consistently go eight or not, like probably nine in the series, and then he'll likely give a tenth guy, you know, some spot minutes in the second quarter just because why not? It's, again it's the bull. So it's not like you're going to have, you're going to have the highest of intensity. So I I'm curious to see what happens. I think Boone also will go nine with a 10th guy thrown in every once in a while. Yeah. I'm interested in the rotation as well. I, I'd, I'd be interested to see, especially what happens with Grayson. I mean, not just because of his experience with Chicago, but he's kind of been the person that people have picked out all year and said, well, just wait till playoff time and opponents are going to be targeting him. So I'm interested to see if the bulls are going to do that. I, you know, I, I think Billy Donovan's like a good enough coach to be able to have his team potentially try to do that, but who knows? So I'm interested to see if Grayson is targeted at all or who teams are trying to target. I don't know what's up with George Hill. He was, I don't like, I don't think we've heard very much from him. I mean, he had the, he left the, I think it was the, was it the Pistons game? Yeah. He left the Pistons game with what was originally said an abdominal strain. Then they said it was like back soreness. And then they said it was abdominal soreness on Sunday. So 
I don't really know what's up with him. Like, I have no idea if he'll be available. So who knows? We might have Javon Carter exclusively for this first round. So that's a possibility there. I, I th- One other thing I would like that's on my wish list is I'd like to see Drew Holiday sh- uh, shoot well. I'd like to see him hit. hit, hit <laughs> All right, bu- hold hit on, bunnies. hold on. This is this is supposed to be a realistic wish list, what not, about bunnies? not dream list. Bunnies, I, I yeah. bunnies. I take that back. I don't need. Him I don't to care hit if he doesn't do it this series because then I will just expect him to do it the next series. <sighs> yeah, know, you want to hold that. You want to keep that in the back pocket. <laughs> it would be I, nice to actually see it happen, though. I agree. I get it, but I, yeah, I just you know, I, I also prescribe to the. I or subscribe to the idea that if you miss a lot of shots in one series, that means you will make a lot in the next series. But I, I wouldn't mind if he made some in this series as well. Uh, I, I so will say I other than Drew Holiday, who was in for like eight seconds, I don't think anyone that played in the Cavaliers game will probably get much, if any run in the postseason, unless it is absolute garbage time. We can only hope we can only hope. It's it's I'm glad we're facing the Bulls, but it also does feel a little anticlimactic. Like, you know, we're I was been, we've been waiting all year for postseason play, and now I I can't I really can't like feel that <laughs> stakesy about this series. I feel this is, yeah. it makes me mad that I have to watch four more games before actual basketball starts. <laughs> I this is what I always hate about the first round because I'm like look, like even when we played the Magic now in the bubble, hilarious that we lost the first game, but I was like this is just annoying because. This is four more games that we just have to play. Like, it's just, it, it feels when you are at like such a level as a team, it feels so rudimentary. You're like, okay, let's just get this over with. Now, obviously, I hope the Bucks themselves don't have that, that mentality. I'm really not concerned about that at all. Like, that shouldn't be a problem. But, but for me as a fan, as a petty individual, I just want to like sim through to the next, you know, next round already, please. We really better hope we don't lose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I don't know. Anything else to say about the Bulls series before we make our predictions? I'm I'm sorry we're not. It's just, I, for me. It's hard to do like a super robust preview even of this series because the, it's there's just so many clear mismatches. You know, I don't even think you need to well, go. Well, the Bulls. We know team. what the Bulls are. The Bulls are a, eh, they're a playoff team, but they're not a threat. You, They're going to so spend right. more time celebrating any foul on Grayson Allen than they will their own team scoring. Like, come on. I'm supposed to take this fan base seriously when their biggest championship this season is going to be the one game Grayson Allen suspension. I can't take these. I can't take this team seriously. I can't take these dudes seriously. They're, you're right, Adam, that when you're doing like arithmetic for playoff matchups, the first thing you should look at is who has like the best overall player. And in this series, I think there's a chance that we have like the best four overall players uh, in terms of matchup, like in Giannis drew Chris has been wishy-washy. I would love for him to get off this night. And then like the Brook versus Vucevic, like if you were just do starter versus starter, like the high end guys, I just, the disparity is is too much at this point to really think any otherwise. And to really like even creatively think it, there's not even anybody off the bench or who has been like, Oh, he's kind of promising. Maybe he'll, this guy will show out or something. It just doesn't seem like there's much in the card for Chicago. So really I I talk a lot of mess all season long and that will continue uh, assuming things go well for us. But at the end of the day, this is just kind of like the logic of where the bulls are at right now. Like this just, this is, what they're going to be capable of and against the Bucks is not going to be a whole bunch. Also, we're missing one huge thing that just popped in my head. We're going to have petty Bobby Portis. 
It's true. This it would be true. a good Bobby Portis get get good this series is, too. We're gonna have petty Bobby Portis for a series. Yeah, no chance for Chicago. Is there any? How much juice do you guys feel from the sort of just in ingrained rivalry with them as a divisional opponent? And then maybe maybe harkening back to the fifteen playoffs. Do you feel any sort of juice? from from that when you're thinking about this matchup or no is it no because this team i can't take this team seriously enough (laughs) maybe if the bulls were like a legitimate like okay they're a tough team that like can give the bucks a run for their money like this was like this is not toronto where i still think the bucks would win overall but you know it'd be like a challenge it it would get your heart rate up a little bit i can't take this team seriously when i've seen the bucks just beat the crap out of them different ways all season I still feel a little bit of juice. This is not, you know, in, in years past where we would play the Pistons or the Magic or whoever the eight seed was, you know, it, it feels like you're you're a, it's just workmanlike. You're like, you know, this is just this comes with the comes with the job, comes with the responsibilities being the top seed. You have to go through this team and absolutely bury them. Like that's just how things work. For this, it's a little bit different because even though it's been a while since we last played in the playoffs. Uh, we, <laughs> we've had good battles and Giannis punched the shit out of Mike Dunleavy that one year. And that's a great career highlight, And that will forever be like in great, even if we lost that series, regardless, um, we've had like competitive, like in, when we stole that one with the Jared Bayless game, I was like, Oh, maybe we, that was my version of the Kyle bubble. If you win game five, maybe you <laughs> win games. Like that was my equivalent before. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I still do have a little bit of juice. I think the crowds are going to be good, even if, unfortunately, they're probably going to be dominant Bulls fans. Um, but I, I think the energy should be good in both arenas. Um, they are just down the road. I despise everything Chicago sports. I despise everything Chicago. So uh, I, I do feel a little bit of juice coming out of this. All right. I've, I liked the 2015 series. I, I, I've never been more excited than the than the game six we lost by 52 uh leading up to that game the, the game was truly awful but i mean that was like one of those where you got young Giannis. like this was a team that was like coming into their own it was like we have young Giannis. you got like it was a maybe they could this is this is intriguing i am intrigued let's go and now this one is kind of a i'm just doing this because i have to that is true. And Kyle, I'm I'm making you do this. What is your prediction for the series? I, I'm going to say it's a gentleman's sweep because the Bucks will have a stupid game one where they shoot like 20% for three and Chicago will shoot like 40% for three and DeRozan will have like 25 free throws. And it will be stupid. I'll say four and one. I'll, I'll be nice. There's going to be one game of BS nonsense. Uh, we should sweep them if we lose a game. I'm not going to say the season's a failure, but we're going to be <laughs> very close to being on that line, so they need to be careful. But I think we should sweep them. Okay, I'm going to go four and one. I'm already seeing the wow. Bucks are shooting 19. percent It's midway through the third. That has to turn around, right? Oops. No, I, I could see it being like a Mavericks game where it's like, oh, they start off really, really hot, and then they can't hit a shot the rest of the game. I'll just be like. Yeah, this is this is dumb. This as Giannis is, as Giannis is pulling up for his fifth three pointer, that clanks. <laughs> and that game's gonna be at like someday at one o'clock. It's gonna be at a dumb time. I'm gonna have to sit here and be like, we're, we're just not. This is not worth watching. Yeah, they there will be one game where I will just sit here and be like, this was a waste. They haven't announced the full schedule yet, have they? 
No. Man, that's kind of annoying. I feel like they I were think they're waiting. Right I think they're waiting for the, the Brooklyn Cleveland because I'm sure if Brooklyn wins, then they're going to put Brooklyn Boston in the primetime slot. Can't nice. wait for that noon tip on NBA TV where the champions reign. That's what it's all about for the <laughs> for the league. Yeah, we're gonna be nobody's gonna watch our games. Absolutely nobody's gonna watch our games besides us. I was well, I was thinking we might not get NBA TV this year because we're facing Chicago. So it's like a maybe a large enough market they won't put okay. us on NBA TV. I don't know. Okay. That was I'll that's my that. only potential saving grace. That's a good that's a good silver line to this series. That's we'll get no NBA. Yeah, they're playing TV games. their first game is definitely Sunday. That is for sure. The first game is definitely on Sunday. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was some insightful analysis about the Bulls series. Hopefully you, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully you feel the same way as we do. If you're a Bulls fan, don't listen. <laughs> I, I should have given you sorry. a warning. I'm beginning. not sorry. If you're a Bulls fan listening, mm-hmm. I am not sorry for anything I've said because it is all facts. Yeah, this is, this is some cold hard truth. All right. Well, I wanted to end it by just putting a bow on the regular season that we all seem to enjoy quite so much. So first thing I wanted to touch on, Kyle, any thoughts on MVP? the discourse, who would be your MVP, et cetera. Um, we will have a little bit of a surprise for you, but I I think it should be honest. I think he has showed that with how he has pretty much taken his game and improved on many aspects and still was able to, and like he was carrying the bucks for a good chunk of the season. I would pick him as the MVP. I think what we saw those last few weeks kind of reminded people like, oh, he is still that guy. I wouldn't be, but otherwise, I like I won't be disappointed or annoyed. Like if Jokic wins it or Embiid wins it, that's fine too. Like I don't care enough. I just think I think Giannis should get it, but I don't care enough. Where if he doesn't win, I'll be like, well, this is rigged and this is obviously uh, this has been and he was it he was set up to fail kind of thing. My pick, and this one hurts. I, I think this year was. Joel Embiid. I was just kidding. Just oh joking. <laughs> just kidding. Absolutely. Could you imagine? He's one of the least fun guys to ever watch basketball. I hate watching Joel Embiid play basketball. Like it's just a grind fest. He, the league and writers should a- avoid awarding him just because that sets a bad precedent for like being bad at like aesthetically basketball at least Jokic is like crazy passing for a center also the discourse about like it's so unfair that Jokic and Embiid can't both be first team I'm sorry I'm sorry media guys you just have to make a choice please stop talking about it and just make a choice uh it'll probably be Jokic I, I really couldn't care less um if Embiid did did win it I, I would immediately that would discount all MVPs in league history for me so and it <laughs> looks like based off of um some of the early voting that it's probably going to end up being Jokic from like what people revealed. So that's fine. Um, I haven't watched a second of Denver Nuggets basketball. I, I guess it's in great that they're out of, they avoided like playing right They're like a six seed or something along those lines. So, you know, they had major injuries to Jamal Murray, Murray, obviously Michael Porter jr. He was out pretty much all year. Um, to elevate that squad is very impressive, Nikola Jokic. I haven't watched a second year game. I think he's like an entertaining guy, and obviously, this will be his last MVP for a very long time. If uh, he doesn't come through with the title or something like that, is this will be the last time that we hear about Jokic in national conversation? So that's fine. That's fine to give him the award. Yeah, I, I'm in this sort of. I I, I don't. I don't care. I, I I really couldn't care less. It seems Giannis as well literally said the same thing. I really he couldn't care less about MVPs. I, I would probably give it to Jokic, 
if only because I don't know. I I I thought Giannis was <laughs> Giannis was awesome this year, but I also felt like Giannis. I don't know. I don't think Giannis cared that much <laughs> about this year uh, personally. I think he his game got better. I think he cared about just literally practicing things he did in the off season, and I think he cared or maybe was a little frustrated that he had to play so much center when he would have much preferred not to. But um, so I, I would say, you know, Jokic did this thing. He, he puts up historic numbers. He'll get two straight MVPs. He won't win another unless he wins a title. Like it'll just be, he'll have it. He'll be done for a long time, probably until he wins a title. So like, we'll have that. We'll have that historical mark for him always. That's cool. He passes the ball. He doesn't say anything stupid like Joel Embiid. He seems to just go out there and just, I don't know. He just, he just, Plays basketball, seems to not really care about anyone else, and does his thing. So I, I, I there's nothing, there's nothing insulting to me about jo- like Nikola, jo- Nikola Jokic. Yeah, like every statistic and advanced statistic points to him. Every, people that I would trust in terms of like basketball media that I follow seem to be leading to Jokic. I'll take the word. Like I said, I'm just going with Giannis because it feels like Giannis while not fully trying this year, was still very, very efficient and still made plays that you needed to make. We can be honest about it, too. When Giannis was doing a lot of those center minutes, I mean, we let Bobby soak up just a lot of the pressure. It's like, hey, Bobby. (laughs) Right. Look, I know Giannis is out here. He's the center. He's okay, but you're going to do a lot of the guarding. So you go. (laughs) So even if Giannis, I mean, he obviously had more like direct possessions of trying to be like the drop guy. But even then, like, throughout the season, I was like, I'm not seeing Giannis do like a lot different from what years past. I'm like, I see Bobby doing a lot of work. Like, you know, he's doing a whole bunch. So I can also admit that it, impressive as it is that he had all the center minutes um, and that he did step up early in the season when we had injury and sickness and things like that. Uh, there were other guys who were here to help soak up and take a lot of the punishment on, uh, with him on his behalf, etc. So I'm willing to concede that point as well. Um, so it's not the end of the world. All right. Well, I wanted to close it out with this. I was just curious how you both felt about the regular season post-championship. I mean, we've never been here before. None of us were alive when the Bucks won last time. So, I don't know, Kyle. It, regular season is done. We got through 82 games. How did you feel about it overall? What was your sort of mindset going throughout the year? I gave so little about <laughs> most of the regular season games. It was one of those where it's like I was so... It was kind of the I'm trying to. It was the arrogance of we are the the Bucks are defending champs. You can't tell me shit. So therefore, like if they lost, it was okay. Whatever, it didn't matter. Like there were definitely some frustrating games, but it, overall, it was kind of a who cares? Like we won the title. I'm good. Like nothing that the Bucks do is gonna annoy me. I'm not gonna complain about them. I like these 82 games were just okay. Don't get hurt. See what you've got. And just get ready for the playoffs. Like I could not honestly remember most games. Sometimes I forgot there were even games that were happening. Like all of a sudden I would get a notification like, oh, the Bucks are played in a half an hour. I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Like if it wasn't for doing this podcast, I probably would not have watched as much Bucks regular season basketball than I did. Which was great. And I love that. I want that to continue where I don't have to care about the regular season because they won the title. So nothing else can hurt. Nothing else matters. I can talk all the garbage I want to everyone else because they're freaking out about their players, you know, demanding trades or their coach getting fired or 
oh, how many of these players are LeBron going to trade by the deadline? Like, I don't have to worry about that stuff because I have Giannis and I'm just, I'm sitting good. I thought this year, a lot of the same vibes. I think it was helped by the fact that when games mattered for the Bucks, they played pretty well all the time, like from ring nights to the end of the season here against the Nets and Sixers, a lot of the national TV games, close fourth quarter games. And more importantly, against all the odds, yeah, we kind of took a little bit of a backseat, but there were a lot of guys or the team as a whole that I think we saw like legitimate progress from. So Giannis as a playmaker, we definitely, I mean, 100% saw the finals Giannis of last year. We saw him just take that forward into the regular season. Very impressive. He did that pretty much over the course of a whole season. Drew, I felt, was, uh, we didn't have as many like moments as we did last year where you just very you're dialed in you're like oh look at the way he like he brings this new control to the offense it felt like he had a lot more within the flow um i was impressed obviously with his defense like it felt like he had a step forward as a buck there were a lot more like dominant true holiday performances um and then you even have like crazy zany like end of the bench guys like oh is shemi ojale gonna be something is rodney hood gonna be something <laughs> Um, and then like Wes comes in, you have like the Dante situation, like it, but none of that gets to the point where it's like dramatic or you're worried about how things are going to work out. And, you know, we'll see how it turns out in the playoffs, but against all odds, it seems like we might even be a little bit stronger this year. We'll see about like the biggest thing to me is the PJ Tucker to Wes Matthews. How does that translate necessarily? And we'll see how that works. But for a lot of the main guys, uh, primarily Giannis and Drew, I think they've improved this year. Brooke got essentially a year off. If he can stay healthy through the playoffs, I think that's great for him. Um, and then we'll, we'll just kind of see. So I, it was enjoyable in that it was low stakes. We played well when it mattered. We had like good signature wins. Uh, you know, I, We've had fun segments. Like when they had that final closing sequence against like the Hornets for where they drew up that play and they ran it and it was like, you know, it's been a while since I last saw us do something that creative. It was just like, let's just go for the win. Like normally we would just run Chris into the corner and see if it happens. But that time we we're like, let's do something a little bit different. So I think there was enough folds to keep things interesting. Um, and the season went by pretty quickly, I think, all things considered for me personally. So I, I enjoyed it a lot this year. Yeah, I, I maybe, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was good. I would definitely got worn down by it, I think by clearly by the end, but there, there were still some fun moments. I mean, that Lakers game where we absolutely obliterated them. And I mean, the Lakers are trash, but the bucks looked as good as we had seen them look all year. Like it was insane how quickly and easily they were breaking down the Lakers defense. That was fun. We had the Christmas day game. That was an enjoyable comeback. I think the thing that helped salvage it a bit in terms of me, maybe being slightly disappointed was just how, great we were in the clutch. I think we had the second best net rating in the clutch. And that's just, you know, for as much as the, the the Bucks may have stumbled around a little bit in the early part of the season, it was just nowhere near on the level of what the Bucks were in the past. And they really carried over a lot of stuff I thought they did from last postseason in terms of performing in the clutch. And that always makes, that always feels so much better when you win those games late, you win those tight games, than when you blow those. I mean, those are the most frustrating games of all. So it was nice to have a team that was able to pull through and we felt confident they would do that with the backing of knowing that they've done it in even more high leverage situations. I will also add every big game, every game that was big for the Bucks or every big game. So whether it was the Nets, the Lakers, um, Sixers, Celtics, 
even like Phoenix, other than a few of the games, most of them, the Bucks got on national TV. Like Riley joked about being national TV champs. They kind of went in, played the game they needed to nationally, won, sometimes blew the other team out. And it was like, so like you at least saw when this team is dialed in, they are really good. So I think that was nice as well. Yeah. I don't know. Good. Pretty decent season for the Bucks. It was nice also to just know, as someone who likes to listen to other podcasts, I mean, no one could say anything about the Bucks. Like they couldn't. We were beyond, you know, any sort of smirching that they could that they could that they could do on us because we won the championship, and so they couldn't really say any crap about us until maybe partway through the year when we just looked. I don't know. We looked a little middling for part of the year, but there wasn't anything that they could say. We still won the championship, and the team clearly was playing for the playoffs all year. So. Very good. Let's go good the playoffs. I'm happy the playoffs are here. That's that's the other thing is, um, even if it is the Bulls, I think the intensity will be up. Um, and I, I'm just looking forward to that. Was the most fun thing about all the national TV games? Just like the Bucks really stepped up and had like good intensity. It was a good environment. Looking forward to have that being back for like a consistent every single game basis as well. So looking forward to it. Oh, uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Good to have the Bucks postseason back. We'll uh, we'll obviously be here for on Brew Hoop. We'll be covering. We'll be, I'm writing a large preview of the Bulls series. I know I said you can't really preview it that much with advanced stats, but I'll have some for you. Should be a lot of good stuff leading up to it. We'll have all of our usual stuff during the series. Maybe some extra stuff as well. Stay tuned. There there could be some extra stuff on social. We might be planning some sort of Twitter Spaces stuff after live games that you'll be able to interact with us, which. Um, hopefully should be fun. Hopefully we can do those in the wake of wins. So go to brewhoop.com, share the podcast with your friends. We'll be doing podcasts, honestly, probably at about the same increments. Maybe when we get into later rounds, maybe we'll do them slightly more frequently if we hit a big game. But otherwise, we'll be doing the podcast as usual. Share it with your friends. Go to brewhoop.com. And thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you.